Okay, everyone, welcome back to another episode of An Englishman's NFL. This is episode nine, um, and it's a slightly different episode this week. Uh, Ian decided it would be a good idea to flood his kitchen. Um, he's currently getting lots of work done in his house and found a couple of leaks in his kitchen. So we're not recording there. It's just going to be me. And so we try and keep it a little bit shorter this week because I can imagine it just one person's voice can number one get boring and given it's my voice probably get quite annoying so going to jump straight into um, our regular features so housekeeping uh, for us you can find us as a podcast on all of the different platforms uh, so whether that is apple or google or stitcher or spotify or whatever it is that you're using you'll probably be able to find us on there we're also on youtube uh, this show won't be on youtube because um it's just me on an app, no no video recording of it, but all the other episodes will be there on YouTube. You can also find some of Ian's personal stuff there that he does about the NFL as well. So find us on there, subscribe to us on whatever platform you're using. Uh, we put this podcast out through an app called Anchor, um, which basically distributes it all for us, and you can also uh, follow us on there, and it gives you a couple of other little fancy features like you can send us a voice message that we can listen to in the show you can uh give us little little notes and little comments let us know bits that you like or bits you don't like or thoughts that you have so if you if you find us on anchor uh do that as well that would be great um so do that now yeah moving on to the injury report a couple of ones to to follow matt breeder um had an ankle sprain in his game for the 49ers it it looks like it's just a mid-ankle sprain, so it's not necessarily a high ankle sprain that a lot of players get nowadays. It kind of takes multiple weeks to get over. It's what you know, Odell Beckham struggled with last year. Had a high ankle sprain and just never really managed to come back from it. So Breeder has avoided that, it sounds like. Um, but he's got what's, what they're calling a mid-ankle sprain. So it's something to keep track of. In all likelihood, he will miss uh, their next game. So if you're looking at waivers, Alfred Morris would be a guy to pick up for fantasy. Um, but as we want to monitor going forward, depending on how quickly he's able to get back from that and how effectively he's able to get back from that. Um, but the main one to to really keep track of is uh, Jay Ajayi uh, tore his ACL for the Eagles in their game against the Vikings. And so he's out for the year. They put him on IR. Uh, so it'll be Wendell Smallwood. It'll be Corey Clement. It'll be Darren Sproles when he gets back, and they've got a rookie, Josh Adams, who did some nice things in the preseason. Um, so the the running back committee in the Eagles has lost a member, but is effectively going to replace that with Darren Sproles. But JJ is out for the year, so if he's on your fantasy team, uh, you can either put him on IR if your team has an IR spot. If not, then you drop him. Um, but you've also got the potential for Hayden Hurst as a tight end coming back. You've got Greg Olson as another tight end who looks like he's coming back. And so a couple of players out, a couple of players back in on your injury report. Moving on to the Chosen 22, which if, if you're listening to this for the first time, uh, we, ha- we are uh, building and continuing to shape a effectively like an all-pro kind of team of players that are playing really well for us in the league and kind of build a a dream team for us. Uh, and so making a couple of changes that you can go back to previous shows to listen to uh, where that is at. So if you've listened to last week's show, you'll find the most updated version of that. But uh, we're making a couple of changes this week. We've had Zeke Elliott as our running back uh, all the way through from the beginning. Um, but we're going to pull him out and we're going to put in Alvin Kamara uh, for the Saints. He obviously had a he had a down week, as you'll hear later on when we go into game recaps. He had a bit of a down week this week against the Redskins uh, going into his bye week this week. But the first four weeks, he was incredible. And um, has just taken on that workload. and just been unbelievable in both 
uh, rushing and receiving, he's just been beyond elite. So we're making that change there. Um, we've also had another Saint, this time on defense, Marshawn Lattimore's been on our team since the beginning. Um, but we're actually going to pull him out and we're going to bring in uh, the rookie for the Browns, Denzel Ward, which is a really, really interesting one. I'm all quite excited to do because I think on draft night, uh, when the Browns took him fourth overall, there was a lot of talk because the expectation was that they might uh, take Bradley Chubb there at four uh, as the pass rusher that they might want to pair alongside Miles Garrett could have been scary. They took Denzel Ward and a lot of people were quite surprised by that um, and a lot of people gave and there was a lot of criticism particularly on places like Twitter um, where you can find a lot of that kind of talk there was a lot of you know maybe it backfired in terms of a PR stuff or whatever you want to talk about it that way but he has come in and he has been amazing he's um, had lots of turnovers he's really um, been a, a game changer for this Cleveland defense that looks scary for the first time in a long time every year it feels like we get into a Brown season and then we talk about them having like the best wide receiver room in football or a potentially really scary defense and it always kind of fails but certainly so far this year outside of that one uh, game against the Raiders they have been incredible um, on defense and so we're going to bring him in and then one final change um, we're bringing in a big boy touchdown scorer Linville Joseph for the Vikings um, he is replacing Michael Pierce as our third defensive tackle in our 3-4 system um, Linville Joseph is a big, big boy, 23 stone. I mean, he had, he had a 20-yard fumble return uh, that went for a touchdown. And one of the most exciting things in football is seeing massive, massive men score touchdowns. Like that. It's normally offensive linemen catch a big touchdown like Dottari Poe does sometimes, or you have a guy like Joseph picks up a ball and just scoops it and goes. Um, and he's, he's had a quietly decent um season so far for the Vikings uh, kind of a few bright spots for a defense has kind of stuttered but he's coming in because Michael Pierce uh, picked up an injury for the for the Ravens so we thought we'd replace him with a with a highlight player um, and final part of housekeeping our stat of the week this is one of my favorite little bits of the show uh, and the stat for this week this the, the Jets in their uh, win over the Broncos. This is the first time the Jets have had multiple 75-plus yard plays in a game in the 21st century. So you'd have to go all the way back to 1972 against the Baltimore Colts for the last time that the Jets had two plays um, of more than 75 yards in the same game, which is kind of staggering, but that just kind of shows you what the Jets have been through, particularly in recent times. So, yeah. Good old-fashioned start of the week. Uh, moving on to game recaps. We also don't have Lewis this week. As I said, it's just me. Um, so I don't have a 90-second timer to kind of keep track of. But I'll try and keep these these game recaps relatively trimmed down. Um, obviously, up until now, we've been kind of trading them with Ian. Um, we go back and forth. But I'll, as I said, because it's just me, I'll just kind of go through them, give you quick highlights and things to, to take away. Um, and we'll start, and because this is being recorded this is on a Wednesday night, um, for the first time we'll have a Monday night football game in our game recap, which is nice. We'll be able to recap the Saints and the Redskins, which we haven't been able to do on Monday nights because we normally record on Mondays. Anyway, I'm rambling. Let me talk uh, about these games. We'll start with Thursday night football, Colts against the Patriots. Um, yeah, and the Patriots look like the Patriots again. Uh, they beat Beat the Colts 38-24, which I think now puts Tom Brady at like 11 or 12-0 against Andrew Luck. Just just 
plays well against Andrew Luck and beats the Colts every time. Anyway, Patriots look like the Patriots again. Kind of those four, five-yard slants, people like Edelman, um, and obviously historically Amendola, James White out of the backfield, had the occasional deep shot um, and, and plays down the middle to players like Hogan and Gronkowski. Um, they just look back to what we have expected the Patriots to be, and it's just a typical... Patriots thing if they lose a couple games in September people start worrying and then October November December all around and oh yeah great suddenly the 10 and 4 again fantastic well done um the the key highlight for this game is that there was an important period of turnovers really where the Patriots kind of pulled away a little bit and then Tom Brady threw a pass to Chris Hogan bounced out of his hands for an interception um and so the Colts have a chance to get back in the game and then they fumble Jordan Wilkins on a fumble give the ball back to the Patriots um, and then Brady throws another interception, this one off of Gronkowski, where just kind of, again, deflects weirdly out of his hands, um, gets ruled that it was either going to be a fumble or an interception. Um, but in, in the end, it ends up as an interception for Brady. Uh, Colts go down the field and score a touchdown, um, and you kind of think that they're back in it, take it down to a seven-point game, and then um, Andrew Luck throws uh, an interception, uh, another weird tipped pass kind of. I think it was uh, the rookie Pascal he threw it to, to kind of just bounced weirdly out of his hands and was picked up by Patrick Chung. And then the very first play after that interception, Patriots go and score um, a touchdown from Sony Michel. Um, and so when, when, you, when, you make, when you get turnovers in NFL, you want to score points off them. And the Patriots just uh, did that in a more efficient fashion than the Colts did. Um, the other big news was that Tom Brady threw his 500th touchdown. And of course, he threw it to Josh Gordon. Um, just kind of the narrative was was writing itself for that to happen um, but yeah we'll move on then to a game I don't want to talk about at all Titans Bills and in fact I've decided I'm going to say nothing about it because there were no nothing of any note just a, a, a boring game the Bills win um, and Josh Allen did some good stuff running but just he's being held back by a lack of receiving talent, but I think he's also struggling to adapt to certain like NFL coverages. He's not seeing things, which is kind of one of the biggest um, drawbacks for him in the draft process. A lot of people said that he he struggles to read coverages um, and struggles to uh, um, adjust to what defenses are doing um, in front of him. And so good for the Bills to get another win, I guess, on their season. Um, this was a game really where their defense just stepped up in a similar way to they did against the Vikings and just really held the Titans back. And the Titans, as a team, don't look great. And they kind of they have a game they did against the Jags where they look good and kind of think they might be able to string some stuff together. And then they come in against the Bills, a team that you know when, when you look at rosters they probably should be beating comfortably and and just let themselves down. Um, so you know standard. Titans, I guess. Um, moving on then to Dolphins at the Bengals. Uh, Dolphins have transformed. I say transformed, and if you could see them doing it in inverted commas, Dolphins have shifted from a three and O team that were unbeaten to a team that just looks lost, and it's because uh, they were winning games in a really unsustainable fashion. Um, they've run, I think, the fewest plays in the NFL so far this season and have run the fewest plays as a team since Adam Gase took over. They're reliant on 
big breakaway plays. There's a couple shots downfield. If they get touchdown, fantastic. If they don't, then they lose, more or less. Um, and the Beng- But what was really interesting in this game is that it was 17-3 to the Dolphins going into the fourth quarter. For the majority of the game, the Dolphins' defense, which has probably been actually the most effective part of their, of their uh, performances as a team this season, um, holding the Bengals up and just kind of stopping them from doing anything really. And whether it was on the ground or through the air, they were really uh, restricting what the Bengals were able to do. Andy Dalton wasn't having his best game. And then all of a sudden, Dolphins just crumble, um, give up two defensive touchdowns, um, a pick six and then a fumble return for a touchdown. And th- there was there was one play where Andy Dalton um, r- ran on a scramble and just kind of put both, just kind of almost jumped almost into his slide and took this tackle. And then both of it and I laughed about it at the time, just wondering how on earth he still had an ACL. His leg bent in the weirdest, most disgusting way where pretty much every time you see an ACL tear and then he just kind of gets up and is laughing about it. Um, but the Dolphins collapsed in this game, um, allowed the Bengals to score 24 unanswered points in the fourth quarter, um, which you don't want to do um, in any game, in any quarter, let alone the fourth. Um, and so the Bengals come out uh, 27-17. They move to 4-1, and one, uh, a clear lead now in the AFC North um, and prime position to uh, put themselves back in the playoffs. And it'll be, they, they look much more rounded as a team than they have done in recent years. They have Vontaze Burfecht backed on defence after his suspension, um, which helped them really shut down this Miami offence um, in that second half. Um, and Dolphins... Ian, Ian and I have this, um, if you go back a couple of shows, you'll hear Ian and I talking about our prop bets for how the Dolphins are going to do. I think they would do well to win more than seven games. And I think that games like this show you kind of where that concern was coming from. They just don't really seem to be able to, similar to the Titans in a respect, um, win games in a sustainable fashion. It makes you, gives you any real confidence that... Um, they can go into any given game week and, and beat who they're playing against. Um, and the Bengals just look, they look like the best team in the AFC North right now, and the standings reflect that, um, given everything else that's going on. Um, speaking of the AFC North, moving on to our next game, it is an all-AFC North game between the Ravens and the Browns. Um, Ian, as Ravens sounds are very disappointed as the Browns win in in their, was it a third or a fourth overtime game they've had this season? Um, and... The Browns finally pull out another win for the season. Um, Baker Mayfield, in his first home start, comes away as a winner for the first time for the Browns quarterback to do that in a long time. And, and, and neither team looked good. Um, it was 6-3 at half time. Flacco was 12-22 for 22 on passes. Um, n- neither offense was able to really string anything together consistently. Um, Flacco, another red zone uh, pick for him has been a problem in the past few years and then immediately after halftime Ravens come out um, give the ball back to the Browns Buck Allen with a fumble um, and and just there was just a lot of a lot of punting <laughs> in the game and it goes to overtime and and again neither team really able to actually put put any pressure on the other until the Browns get down the field Duke Johnson with a 15 yard run to give um, Greg Joseph, the Browns kicker after Zen Gonzalez um, has kind of ruined their start to the season. Greg Joseph comes in, uh, kicks a field goal that I think got tipped, um, but still made it over to kind of win them the game. And this was a game where the Ravens' offense really took a step back up until this point. And they've looked like a new offense with Flacco back healthy, but they looked far more like the offense of last year. Um, and the Browns, you, you kind of... 
you, you want the Browns to do well, and it's games like this that give you hope where, you know, historically they, they don't win these close games where they play poorly. They always end up on the wrong side of a, of a last-minute field goal. They come out on the right side of it this time. Um, their defense looks very good. The Ravens' defense looks good as well. But the Browns in particular, we talked about it earlier, with um, Denzel Ward uh, really stepping up as a rookie. You've got Miles Garrett coming off the edge in their linebacking core. They look like a team that actually has some confidence um, and getting lots of turnovers, which is a good thing, um, which, again, they weren't doing last year in terms of like fumbles and interceptions. They just weren't really getting them. And certainly as an offense, weren't capitalizing on, on them either. So it's good to see the Browns win. Um, disappointing if you're a Ravens fan to see them take that step back uh, and just kind of a, a game that didn't really have too many highlights but um, ends up in a good way for the Browns at home they haven't had much to cheer about in recent years so good for them moving on to another division matchup um, this time between the Packers and the Lions and the Lions come out and they win 30, 31 to 23 um, and, and really, you can't talk about anything else in this game other than Mason Crosby missing five kicks in a row. He went for six kicks and only made one of them. Missed four field goals, missed the extra point, um, scored a, a 50-something yard, I think it was 51-yard field goal with like two seconds left in the game to finally get right. Um, and you know, and Aaron Rodgers has come out and said that you know his career definitely isn't over and they're going to stick with him because he's had such a great career up until now as a kicker and he's been automatic for a little bit. Um, but just a really, really disappointing game where he missed, I think it was uh, 13 or 14 points. Yeah, 13 points, four field goals, an extra point, misses 13 points and the Packers lose by eight. And so if he makes all of those kicks, then the Packers win this game and... Uh, it was just a just a bad game for the Packers, and even though Rodgers comes out, still throws for like four hundred yards, lost a couple of fumbles, and in a game where um, Randall Cobb and Jeremiah Allison both out with injury, you could see Rodgers on both of those fumbles was waiting for somebody to get open, and obviously historically that's been um, Jordy Nelson, and he's not there anymore, and so he's he's struggling to find receivers, and he talked about it in the preseason of him not really understanding that and the offense are not really kind of giving it their full attention and learning these schemes and these concepts. And it, it showed today with, with like, um, players like uh, Marquez, Vaz, Val, Marquez Valdez Scantling um, and uh, Equinemius St. Brown not really um, being... like They had decent stat lines in the end, but there were a few times where they just let Rodgers down and weren't able to um, step up in a way that someone like Jordan Nelson has been before. Um, as far as the Lions are concerned... Um, an important win for them, an important win for Matt Patricia as a head coach. Um, and Matt Stafford just continues to throw the ball around. And if you, if you were asking me my opinion, I would say that as of right now, Kenny Golladay is probably their number one receiver right now. Um, there's a reason he's got the nickname Babytron. Um, he has been fantastic for them. Marvin Jones caught a touchdown as well. Um, Golden Tate did a couple of nice things. They are probably just behind the Rams as of right now, but as a wide receiver trio, they are sensational. Um, and just give somebody like Matthew Stafford so much confidence being able to throw to people with such diverse but very complementary skill sets. Um, and then if, if Matt Patricia doesn't give on Johnson the football more, um, then I don't know what else on can do as of right now. Both Johnson and Blunt got 12 carries in this game, which isn't a great workload, um, but they both got 12 carries. Johnson averaged 5.8 yards per carry. Blunt managed 1.8. And so, you know, and Blunt ended up with two touchdowns, which is obviously good for him, but they were both one two-yard runs. And so his, you know, sub two point, his sub two yards per carry average 
matches up with that. It kind of matches up with his skill set, I guess. You put him in a goal line, he gets you a yard, touchdown, fantastic. But Johnson has looked so much better. It's it's honestly not even close. And if you want to, you know, if you've got something like NFL Game Pass, if you can find highlights on YouTube, go back and watch it because Kerryon Johnson has looked like such um, a far more dynamic uh, runner. And for the Lions, for a franchise that has struggled for so long to find an, a, a good running back, they finally have one. And of course, now that they have one, they're just not using them in the right way. It's very frustrating. Um, obviously, it's also very frustrating as a fantasy owner of Carrion Johnson in a couple of leagues that he's not being used in the right way. Um, but yeah, good for the Lions. Um, bad news for the Packers and bad news for my Aaron Rodgers' MVP kind of pick, losing two fumbles. Um, the Packers just look like a team that are, are struggling right now in a lot of different areas. Moving on then, Jaguars against the Chiefs. Blake Bortles looks like... Blake Bortles again. Uh, he threw a pass that hit his own defensive lineman in the helmet uh, for a red zone pick. Um, he threw another, just he was meant, trying to throw like a, a, a screen pass to TJ Yeldon. Um, and he got another big man pick six uh, for the Chiefs. Uh, and he also fumbled the ball as well. So three turnovers is not good. It's not what you want from your quarterback to um, help you win a game against the Chiefs offense that is just incredible. Um, e- even with Mahomes throwing his first interceptions. Um, of the year, um, didn't throw any touchdowns, um, but rushed for his touchdown, and, and the Chiefs, uh, he still managed to throw for over 300 yards, which is the first time that that has happened, uh, managed to score a touchdown in the first half, which is the first time that's happened to get to Jaguars, um, with the 300 yards, I think it's 15 games um, on the trot that the Jaguars haven't allowed a 300-yard passer, and Mahomes comes in and is able to do that. Um, al- along with the Rams, the Chiefs right now look like uh, a really, really scary team to go against. And yes, you can look back over recent years for the Chiefs and say that they've had they had these kind of hot starts before and have, have trailed off historically. So you're going to want to be aware of that. It just feels different as you have Mahomes in there um, with Hill and Watkins and Kelsey and Hunt doing the things that they do. They just feel like a different offense this year for the first time in a while. Um, as for the Jags, obviously without Leonard Fournette, and he's already ruled out next week as well. Um, five turnovers for them as a team is not good. That's, when you when you lose the ball five times, you're going to lose um, the game. This is kind of how the NFL works. Um, yeah, this is one of those games where the Chiefs defense actually kind of stepped up which I don't think you expected but I think part of that is just how bad Blake Bortles looked he had a couple of really nice throws but he had, just had a lot of throws where he was just out of sync with his receivers throwing the balls into the ground or overthrowing receivers he did not have a good game and it's one of those games where without Fournette historically Bortles has kind of stepped up and played well and they put the game on his back and he's delivered he did not this time around um, and against the Chiefs defense it has been porous up until this point it's kind of not what you would expect um moving on again this time broncos at the jets this is the first time we've seen sam darnold as a quarterback really given license to throw the ball downfield um and he did it to great effect two um deep touchdowns to robbie anderson um his first significant usage of the year um i mentioned a stat earlier this is the first time um in, since 19, was it 1972, did I say? Yeah, 1972. Um, first time since then that the Jets have had two plays of over 75 yards. And it's the first time since even longer that they've had um, both of those plays go for a touchdown. Um, massive day for Isaiah Crowell, running for 200 and... Oh, excuse me. Massive day for Crowell, running for 219 yards. Power, um, Bilal Powell managed 99 yards by himself as well. Donald only... 
through only completed sorry 10 passes in total um whereas Keenan managed to complete passes to 10 different receivers in his game um and kind of a weird anomaly stat uh, for Quincy Nunwa who leads the Jets in targets um didn't get a single catch in this game it was, it was more about Darnold throwing downfield to Robbie Anderson and just leaning on of his the success they found in the run game for um Isaiah Correll and Bilal Powell um and the Broncos just disintegrated as a defense they haven't looked great up until this point but they really really um just just broke down as a defensive unit and just weren't able to stop anything from Correll and for Powell on the ground um, and just let Anderson do what he wanted down the field. Um, so not a good game for the Broncos. A good game for the Jets. Obviously, you kind of expect that um, when you look at the scoreline. But uh, it, some encouragement for Sam Darnold. There's kind of been a bit of a worry and he started well. He's kind of had a few games where he's petered out a little bit. But this game came back, showed some good things. And I think if you were to look at the all, uh, the kind of the coaches film and if you were to, to follow some people on Twitter and kind of see what they're saying about the way that he's seeing uh, things in the defence... He's seeing things in a way that somebody, as I mentioned earlier, like Josh Allen doesn't. He's able to adjust to certain things. And the game is kind of a cliche to say that the game is slowing down from, but it feels like he's progressing week to week. I mean, being able to see certain things and make certain throws and just adjusting to defences, which is um, good news for a Jets franchise that has been starved for a long time of genuinely good uh, quarterback play. As for the Broncos, kind of worried. Case Keenum has started off the year um, being able to, you know, they'll go down early and then he was able to bring them back a couple of times. Hasn't really been able to do that. They haven't looked awful necessarily. They just haven't looked like a team that and in the preseason, they don't look like the same team at all. And there was a lot of uh, positive noise coming out of that camp that doesn't seem to be coming out anymore. Um, there was lots of hope around Tamaris Thomas. Emmanuel Sanders really taking steps up. They just haven't really been able to get firing yet as a team. And so it'll be interesting to see how they fare going forwards. Uh, moving on to uh, what should really have been probably the, the shootout of the week, but was a disappointment in that regard in terms of both teams scoring lots of points. Uh, Falcons against the Steelers. James Conner really uh, stamped his mark on this game. As, as we hear talk of Lev Bell maybe, maybe coming back by around about week seven, James Conner decided this was the week he was going to step up and recreate some of that week one form that he showed at the beginning of the year. Um, that first drive, um, just I think it was, it was what seventy something yard drive, and he got pretty much all of his yards for himself. Managed to grab a couple of touchdowns, over a hundred yards uh, receiving, over fifty yards rushing. Really, really good game for him, and good I think for the Steelers to get that running game going again because we've seen the past few weeks they've really struggled with that. But this Falcons defense is probably the the big uh, takeaway as we've seen in the last few weeks with the pieces that they've lost um, in Keanu Neal and Ricardo Allen. Um, and Grady Jarrett wasn't uh, there this week either. The pieces they've lost on that defense make such a significant difference for them, and they're just not able um, to stop anything at this point. And so from a fantasy perspective, if you've got a player who's playing the Falcons at wide receiver at running back, you want to start him. Um, and so Matt Ryan didn't look that bad, um, and he, he didn't have his greatest game, but he wasn't awful. Somehow Julio Jones has no touchdowns. The, the, the big thing for Julio Jones is um, the, the best stat that I heard about him so far this year. He has three red zone targets on the year, and all of them came in week one against the Eagles on that Thursday night game, which is just staggering. And you think that whilst the Falcons have kind of steadied the ship a bit in point scoring in the red zone, they're still not feeding 
their best player in the red zone, where other teams find success doing it. The Falcons just don't want to look his way for some reason. Um, Antonio Brown, uh, speaking of elite wide receivers, Antonio Brown stepped back up. He grabbed himself a couple of touchdowns, his first 100-yard um, game of the year, um, which is good news for him, good news for fantasy owners, fantasy owners of him. Um, Mohamed Sanu stepped back in and um, obviously look at Julio Jones. Uh, more than 50% of Julio Jones's yards have come in the fourth quarter, which again is just showing you that for whatever reason they're just not using him in the right way. But Sanu and Ridley have stepped up um, and, and their running game has been disappointing. I think you look at, um, they lost their, well, I think it was their right tackle or the right guard as well for the year. Um, and so they're struggling in that regard where historically they've had a really good offensive line. Um, that's kind of taken a little bit of a step back. The Falcons go to one and four, which is not good news. Um, There's a big, big shock when you kind of, a lot. I, I know myself, I, I pegged them as uh, going to Super Bowl based on the way that their roster looked. Uh, but again, injuries um, and certain things just have not gone their way. They fall to one and four. Steelers go to two, two and one, which again isn't actually, I think, the record you'd expect them to have given that the teams that they faced. Um, but the Steelers, certainly on offense, look like they kind of came back to where we expected them to be, scoring lots of points, um, going for Antonio Brown. Big Ben came out, has come out and said that, you know, he's had some soreness in his in his elbow, which might explain some of the issues he's had throwing downfield and finding play, players like Brown. Um, but that didn't seem too much of an issue in this game. Anyway, I've talked too long about that one. Let's move on then. Giants against the Panthers. Um, you, you can't really write the fact that it's the first time in a ridiculous amount of time. I don't have the exact number of games with me. It's the first time in so long that Giants have managed to score 30 points and they still managed to lose that game. Um, they lost to a, lost to the Panthers 33-31. It was a last-minute field goal from Graham Gano. Went for 63 yards. The second year in a row that they've lost to a 60-yard field goal um, at the end of the game. They did it against the Eagles last year with Jake Elliott. Um, and... <laughs> and there's a lot of a lot of build up coming into this game about you know Beckham mentioning a couple of things about Eli Manning not being able to throw downfield and so decided to take things into his own hands and throws a 57 yard touchdown to Saquon Barkley, um, and Beckham on and by himself ended up with 130 yards receiving. Um, speaking of Barkley, he now has five consecutive games to start his career. Um, with 100-plus scrimmage yards, which is only behind Kareem Hunt, who got seven in a row to start his career last year. Um, so he looks like the player that they wanted to draft at number two. But the problem they have really is that, number one, their offensive line is not good. Um, Barkley is getting a lot of work, which is good, but he's just having a lot of negative runs and, and running into um, yeah, defensive pressure that is meeting him in the backfield is not what you want as a running back. And there's only so much you can do... Um, to escape that there's only so many jump cuts you can run um to to get out of the way of that and so he's his stats might not necessarily look breakout amazing like Kareem Hunts did but he's been very very good and important part of of the Giants even though they also go to one and four same as the Falcons um that they just look like a team that is struggling as for the Panthers um McCaffrey had a bit of a quiet week um Cam Newton had a bit of a quiet, quiet week as well um but they grind out another win, and they grind out another close win for them, which is good. They've kind of been a bit of a, uh, I don't know, certainly from what I've, I don't know if it's a impression, it might just be me, but they feel like they've been a bit of a quiet team, and they're not really getting talked about. Um, they're just kind of just winning games relatively quietly. So it'll be interesting to see um, whether or not they get some 
uh, get some noise going in the next few weeks. Moving on then, Raiders at Chargers. Uh, Chargers come out and win 26-10 at home, or they say at home, all of the home games probably still feel like away games given how small that stadium is and how many away fans manage to travel there every time. Um, but certainly the Raiders looked just bad again after obviously beating, scoring 40-something points and beating the Browns last week. The Raiders um, come in and just look like a team that's being managed by a very ineffective coach as of right now. Um, Philip Rivers comes out, throws for 339 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Keenan Allen looks like he's warming up a bit. He's had a quiet start to the year. Um, but as I said, he looks like he's getting a little bit more involved, which is good. Um, the Melvin Gordon has just been the, the most important part of this Chargers offense so far. Their defense has kind of struggled without Joey Bosa, and so they've learned a lot of points. But when you've got somebody who's playing like Melvin Gordon is, who's being able to run um, as efficiently as he can do, and also, more importantly, catch passes out of the backfield in a way that he's been able to do. Um, he's been a massively integral part of their offense. Um, and so he's part of the reason they look so good. As for the Raiders, they just, as I said, they don't look good. Amari Cooper isn't functioning. Um, Jared Cook had a quiet game. They're only really able to use Marshawn Lynch when they're ahead because he's being used out of the backfield. Um, and they just, they just don't look like a team that you can have any real confidence in week to week. And, and Derek Carr just continues to struggle um and he's kind of had he had obviously his mv as mvp kind of run uh in 2016 uh where he ended up with a broken leg kind of cut that season short um before the playoffs but since then just has not looked like a good quarterback he was injured last year um had an injury to his back which might be affecting that but really just does not look good as part of a Raiders team as a whole doesn't look good they've got some dysfunction in that dressing room you can kind of read some different reports um but yeah not a good Raiders team a Chargers team that um you know if they can sort out special teams and kickers they'd be probably 5-0 and um, but they're not they're 3-2 Raiders are 1-4 um Raiders will have a very high draft pick this year um moving on to the rematch of the NS NFC Championship game from last year between the Vikings and the Eagles. This time it's the Vikings who come up on top. And the Vikings' defense in the last few weeks has been getting carved up and just getting really shredded from any angle you can think of. And then this week they suddenly find their feet again. Um, they didn't give Wentz really anything. They put a lot of pressure on him. Zach Ertz managed to have a big game for the Eagles. Uh, but outside of that, the Eagles didn't really manage to get much going at all. Um, did well to score for 21 points, and they did. Um, but Kirk Cousins, I came into this year saying that I was worried about Kirk Cousins because his biggest flaw um, has been throwing under pressure, and he was under pressure a lot in this game. Um, but really, for the first time, I think you've seen consistently as a quarterback was able to step up, was able to make throws, and it helps that he's throwing to players like Diggs and Phelan. Um, when you've got uh, wide receivers of that caliber, um, it really obviously helps you as a quarterback, but he's able to find them consistently. He's got Carl Rudolph. Vikings don't have any running game at all right now. Um, they're not able to get Dalvin Cook involved. Um, Latavius Murray isn't really doing anything. Um, and they've obviously got players like Rock Thomas kind of as, as rookies coming in as well. But they don't have any running game, so it's all really feeding through Kirk Cousins, um, which on a lot of other teams, and certainly if you were to look at if you were doing that for Kirk Cousins last year for the Redskins, probably was not a recipe for success. But with Diggs, with Thielen, with Rudolph, with those kind of pass catches, um, it is working really, really well for them um, on offense. As for the Eagles, as I said earlier, they've lost Jay Ajayi. 
um, to an ACL injury. He's out for the year, so they'll be relying on Wendell Smallwood, Corey Clement, Darren Sproles when he comes back. But even as a whole, the Eagles' offense hasn't looked good. They've looked disjointed. They looked disjointed under Nick Foles, so you expected Carson Wentz to come back in, Alshon Jeffrey to come back in and kind of steady that ship and get them looking back to the way they looked last year. And they've helped a bit, but they still there's something missing from that. And I think part of that is that the offensive line just has not looked good. Um, Wentz has been hit, I think it's 27 times in the three games that he's played, um, which is a real wheel, real wheel, a real worry um, if you're an Eagles fan, if you're an Eagles coach as well. Um, but yeah, good news for the Vikings. They get revenge after they were completely shut down in the NFC Championship game. Uh, moving on, Cardinals against the 49ers. Cardinals pull out their first win of the year against the 49ers team um, that just looks snake-bitten in terms of injuries. They've obviously lost Jarek McKinnon before the season started. They lost Jeremy Garoppolo after a couple of games. Um, Matt Breeder comes out injured. Um, Marquis Goodwin's been injured. They just can't seem to get their best players on the field. And, they, and they, their team that looks like that as well. Um, but... The Cardinals have also looked like a bit of a train wreck, um, but they get their first win of the season. Josh Rosen gets a win in his first proper start as a quarterback. David Johnson got a touchdown, which is nice for him. Got a couple of touchdowns, actually. Um, but this is not a game where either of these teams gave you any real cause for um, hope that they'll be able to to you know right and steady things going forward. Um, scored seven touchdowns um, between them, which is a good thing. So it was relatively high scoring. But part of that is a, um, both defences are bad. Both offences were able to overcome that. And, you know, in, in the way that the league is structured right now and it's operating right now, it's not too much um, of a surprise. But particularly for the 49ers, um, relying on CJ Bethard um, and basically George Kittle now with Goodwin um, being a bit knocked up and Matt Breeder being a bit knocked up as well. Um, there's only so much that a play caller like Shanahan can do in terms of being able to scheme guys open when everybody is just uh, falling down and injuring themselves. Um, and again, um, just like the Jags did, the 49ers um, turned the ball over five times, which um, is not a good thing if you're going to try and win the game. So both teams go to um, one and four. Um, not really a terribly exciting game. And it, it, it really, I think in the grand scheme of things, you look at where these two teams are, it doesn't really mean anything. But certainly if you're a Cardinals fan, good to see them get their first win of the season. Moving on to a game that was exciting, Rams at Seahawks. The Rams' defence, I, I said last week that they're on paper, they're a defence that should be able to shut you out of any given game. But... With um with a couple of injuries to that line, so to to that defense so far, they have looked shaky in a couple of games. They didn't look good against the Vikings. Allowed um Kirk Cousins to nearly pull that Vikings team back from the brink. But even against the Seahawks team that on offense has not been good so far, they gave up thirty one points. Still managed to win thirty three thirty one in Seattle for the Rams. But um w- worrisome kind of um stats if you're a if you're a fan of the Rams on defense. Um, Seahawks has run a lot of play action plays. Russell Wilson didn't manage to you know, think through for like 190 something yards, so not not massive yardage, but three touchdowns, um, and actually managed to out rushed for rushed more times, and I think rushed for more yards than the Rams did. Um, Chris Carson went for 100 yards. Mike Davis ran for um, a good number and a touchdown. The the big question for the Seahawks running game is why <laughs> if you're Pete Carroll if you're the Seahawks. Uh, front office why do you use a first round pick on a running back to not use him 
Chris Carson was injured last week, you think surely Rashad Pennington would come in and get some of this work, and he gave everything to Mike Davis. Chris Carson comes back in, and it's Carson and Davis now on a little bit more of a timeshare. What's the point of drafting a first-round running back if you're not going to use him? It's very confusing. Anyway, onto the Rams. The sign of good teams, they stay undefeated now, they're 5-0. The sign of good teams is when they don't maybe don't play particularly well or as well as you would expect them to do, and they still manage to grind out a win, which they did in this game. Um, Brandon Cooks went out relatively early on in a game of concussion, which doesn't look good. But Cup and Wood stepped up, both hit 90 yards. Cup got himself a touchdown, um, although he also went out in the fourth quarter with concussion kind of symptoms. Um, and so stuff to monitor there. But the Rams still look like a scary team. Gurley got himself three touchdowns. And they will just find, with the players that they've got, as long as they stay healthy, they will find as many creative ways as they can to beat you. If one part of the game isn't going to work, they'll find another that does and scheme it that way. That's kind of the genius of Sean McVay, is he's able to scheme his way out of almost any situation, barring a 49ers-type situation where the team just crumbles in terms of injuries. Um, for the Seahawks, I think you take a level of um, positivity from the game, a level of excitement of actually managing to get stuff going on offense, Russell Wilson looked okay. The wide receivers looked okay. You've got Doug Baldwin back now. You've got some semblance of a running game going. So things to be positive about and excited for going forward for the Seahawks. Um, but certainly the Rams are the best team in the NFL right now. That's not really um, massively close. You can argue the Chiefs probably, and you can argue, you probably argue in three or four weeks, the Patriots are up there as well. But certainly the Rams, head and shoulders above everybody else. Um, moving on to the Sunday night game then, Cowboys at the Texans, not a great game, this one went to overtime as well, um, just not really an exciting game, Texans win 1916, um, this is the first time that the Texans have won back-to-back games since 2016, which is not a good start if you're a Texans fan, but good that they managed to pull it out, um, the Texans had so many chances to win this game in regular time, and every single time, um, they just kind of, they, you know, just kind of let themselves down. Um, Watson tried a few runs where he tried to basically break his way for a tackle and got dumped the other way. He's not built in the same way that Cam Newton is. Um, Hopkins had some chances. He had, Hopkins had probably the best play he's had all season with a, a double, full-on Madden kind of mash-the-B-button spin move um, to, to um, kind of put them down into field goal yardage late in the game. But... Um, in overtime anyway. Um, but just as, as a game, it just wasn't great. Um, Dak Prescott didn't look amazing, um, and and really the biggest takeaway is that they had a chance on fourth and on fourth and inch or well, fourth and one, but in overtime fourth and one on the forty five on the Texans forty five, so they're in Texans territory. Um, you've got Ezekiel Elliott as your running back. You've got Dak Prescott as a running quarterback and can do good things. They they like they lead the NFL in the percentage of fourth down conversions. Um, when they've had Dak and Zeke on the field and they decide to punt it. And it's just another sign of Jason Garrett's conservative play calling and kind of fear of taking risks and aversion to any kind of exciting football um, that bites them in, in, in the butt again. Obviously, you had uh, the opposite side of that with the Colts the other week in their game against the Texans in overtime where they went for it on fourth down and, and didn't get it. This time, the uh, and then the Colts go on to lose the game. This time the Cowboys get fourth and one. Uh, they don't go for it. They punt and still manage to lose the game. Um, just just not a great game, really. Um, not one you want to be too excited about. Um, and obviously, you know, good for the Texans to get a win. Bad news for a Cowboys team that continues to look like a really, really 
a team that number one is weak in terms of the roster, but also there seems to be um, this this massive wall in front of them that even with players like Dak and with Zeke, that they can't break through. And I think that you put that um, at the feet of the coaches not being able to um, get stuff going as a team. Moving on then to the last game of the week, Monday Night Football, Redskins Saints. Um, Saints massive blowout win, as I think you kind of might expect for the Saints at home in prime time. Historically, with Drew Brees, has been very, very good at that. Um, Drew Brees, the big news, um, he is now the NFL's all-time leader in passing yards. He passes Peyton Manning, he passes Brett Favre. He now stands alone in that. He's on pace to break the touchdown record as well. He could well end this season um, with those two records now in his possession. Um, and uh, this is the first game of the season where Alvin Kamara wasn't really used. I think he had nine total touches, which is probably, you kind of think it might be a surprise given the way he's been used up until now with Ingram coming out. But you look at the situation um, for them where with the touches that you've seen Kamara get, you've got an opportunity to bring Ingram back in, get him back adjusted to an offense by throwing him in the deep end a bit. But it also gives you the opportunity to rest Kamara, to give him a bit of a breather, um, to let him kind of sit on the sidelines for a bit and going into a bye week so that he's as fresh as possible coming out on the other side of that. I don't think there's any doubt that he is the best back on that team. I don't think there's any doubt that Sean Payton will recognise that. Um, and I don't think there's any real concern um, either as a Saints fan or as an owner of uh, Alvin Kamara and fantasy. I don't think you should be worried about his usage going forwards. Um but really, um, Drew Brees came out through a couple touchdowns as well for himself on his way to his uh, passing record. Just a game where the Saints just outclassed the Redskins in every way. And for the Redskins, Alex Smith um, had his worst game by far for them as a starting quarterback. Um, had a fumble, had an interception, just left multiple plays on the field. A couple of long passes to James Crowder that probably could have gone for touchdowns or um, big chunk, yard- chunk yardage. They just didn't look... Um, like any of them were really on the same page. They really struggled to get into the game. Um, it was a, a very comfortable game for the Saints in the end. A um, couple of goal line touchdowns for Ingram to get him again back in and used to being hit again, which is what a lot of these players come out and say when they've been um, coming back from a suspension or come back from an injury. They want to get hit again. They want to feel that contact again. Good for him to get back involved in that. Good for the Saints and, and just good for Drew Brees. And I think um, there is obviously, you look at the the discussion around who is the greatest quarterback of all time and people like uh, Marino and Brady and Rodgers are routinely brought up in that discussion. If you look at stats alone, the likelihood is is that Drew Brees is that guy. And yes, you can say he's at the advantage of um, playing in a dome for half of his career when he's been playing at home um, and to having... And, and he's benefited from having a terrible defence. It means he needs to throw the ball more. But at the same time, you have to have a level of competency, a level of competency and a level of skill to be able to put up the numbers that he has, to be able to put the numbers up consistently that he has. And I think that, that the biggest... Um, the biggest thing about Drew Brees is the impact he's had. Um, number one on the organisation for the Saints coming in when they were just a, a mess of a franchise after he after he left the Chargers. The Saints were not um, a, a good or a winning franchise by any means. They were the punchline of a lot of jokes. He came in and really established a winning culture and has now got a team 
uh, with a defense that can help come back and win some more championships. Um, he means so much to that organization, but he means a lot to that city as well. I think there was um, a lot of significance to what he's been um, bringing to them to a city that's obviously had to deal with Hurricane Katrina and stuff like that. And it sounds like I'm getting quite serious here, but um, he, he just means a lot to that city. He means a lot to that franchise. And it's just good to see a guy like him who just seems like an, a really, really just solid, down-to-earth good guy um, have as much success as he has. And he he should have more rings. If he was on a, a better team for most of his career, he'd have far more rings than he does now. Anyway, Drew Brees, um, love session over. Moving on very briefly, we'll talk about fantasy things. and We look ahead at week six. Lions and Saints are on their buys, so players like Breeze, Kamara, Ingram, Stafford, Golladay, uh, Tate, Marvin Jones, all those guys, Michael Thomas as well, obviously, they're on a bye week. And so in terms of players you want to be picking up, um, if you have Drew Breeze as your quarterback, you want to probably look at uh, Jameis Winston. Um, he's coming back. He's up against the Falcons, as we talked about before. They, the Falcons don't have any semblance of a defense right now. Um, Jameis Winston um, should put up some big numbers through the air for them um, and help the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get back on track after their bye week. Um, uh, a player you might you might be able to play or might probably want to stash, Baker Mayfield. He's at the Chargers this week, um, but he's also got a really, really good schedule coming up um, of, of defences that he um, is going up against that could give him the chance to put up some, some good numbers. He's looked... Um, he's looked probably the the best or the most competent of the rookies uh, so far, which isn't too surprising uh, if you kept track of the draft process. But um, with players like Landry, with players like Njoku, he could be a good pickup. Um, Alfred Morris is worth a look um, with, obviously, with Matt Breeder out, obviously, for probably for this week and then however many weeks going forward, he'd be worth a look. Um, Mohamed Sanu is available in a good bunch of leagues, um, again, with the Falcons. Um, he's their number two wide receiver and they're going to be throwing the ball so much because they're going to be chasing points because their defense isn't going to stop anyone. Um, and then the obvious picks, um, if they're still available uh, after the waiver wire rounds, uh, uh, Wendell Smallwood, Corey Clement, the, those Eagles running backs after the um, injury to JHI, a, a sleeper kind of grab that you might want to build as a stash in like a deep league if you're in one of those 12, 14, 16 team leagues. Um, the Jaguars signed Jamal Charles um, to, to their to their team, which is really, really interesting. Obviously, they've got TJ Yeldon, um, but uh, Jamal Charles might be worth a snag. We don't really know how long Fournette's going to be out with his hamstring injury. Could be out for multiple weeks. Um, so if you've got Fournette, if you, if you want to... Um, you know, take someone who can have a you know, very limited but certainly a, a degree of trade value for a Fauna owner. Um, Jamal Charles might be a sleeper grab for you there. Uh, and I think that will be us. Um, we're no learning with Lewis because obviously we don't have Lewis. Um, yes, so you've heard a lot of me talking. Hopefully it hasn't uh, put you off the podcast forever. Um, get involved with us on social media. You can find us at Englishman's NFL on Twitter. That's where we're most active. That's where the NFL community seems to be most active at the very least. And so we try to put ourselves on there a bit. Um, find us, uh, subscribe to us on whatever podcast provider you're using. Uh, find us on YouTube as well. Leave us a review. Let us know what you love, what you hate. Uh, any thoughts, opinions, just, just get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, it's great to interact with people. Um, as Ian loves to say and likes to close it each week, have a great week. Um, and we look forward to another great weekend of football action.